0: love this podcast support this show through the acar supporter feature it's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment just hit the link in the show
1: description to support now happy christmas
2: this is the starship sofa everybody welcome hello and welcome to the christmas edition of oral delights show number 56 we have china Mieville. wow how cool is that just want to wish everyone out there attached to the Starship Swoop a very, very Merry Christmas. Yes, this is our Christmas edition and a nice little edition we have for you and it just so luck happens we came out on the 24th of December the day before Christmas how cool is that for oral delights a fitting end to this 2008 I think you're yeah, very nice indeed so we have a fun-packed show tonight and what have we got I'll tell you editorial just a little editorial by my good self no pori this week. I couldn't find actually anything related to Christmassy. So, we have two bits of flash fiction. We have main fiction as well. A great story by China Mayville, narrated by our good friend Martin. So, look out for that. We might even have, if things are looking nice, a song from Diane Severson at the end of the show. That will be very nice. Don't forget as well, we have the fantastic artwork by skeet specially designed for this show and we'll have a little section on skeet as well so please listen out for that and what do you think about that artwork by skeet oh it just gets better and better so do stick around and join me for a fantastic eggnog christmas chiad show Yes, so we'll jump straight in with the editorial by my good self. And it's basically just to give everyone kind of tell everyone what's happening, you know, and what is happening with Oral Delights. We're just going to carry on doing the same, doing the same as what we're doing in 2009. And I hope that kind of is okay for everyone, do you know what I mean? I know, like I say, things have changed in the show and things like that, but it seems to be that we've found a kind of like a nice little niche and we're kind of plowing along there. And when I put out the, sh- the little kind of, not play, but the little kind of feel as to find out if I should kind of split the show up into different feeds. Unanimous as just to keep it going like this. So there we go. We're just going to have the Starship so far. Basically, like it is, just carrying on. But what, you know, we have got some kind of great stuff lined up for next year. So many kind of stories are just waiting there to be kind of listen to do you know what I mean I'll just list you some of them because I've got like a list and it's kind of ridiculously long but we've got a great one by Ken McLeod Joe Lansdale we've got in there Landon Jones the man who kind of associated with Michael Moorcock Michael Moorcock friends stories there more N. John Harrison more Mary Rosenbloom, Neil Asher Nancy Cress, more Paul de DeFilliboe more Paul F. Wilson got Peter F. Hamilton Sean Williams Sheila Finch more Jeff Carlson, Jeff Vandermeer, Jeffrey Ford, Jemiah Talbot, Bradley Denton, Brian Stableford, Charles Coleman Finley, Corey Doctorow, story by him, Eric Brown, Garth Nix, more Gene Wolfe, more Gwyneth Jones, Ian Watson, Ian MacDonald, Jack McDivitt, Jack Skillenstead, Jay Lake. Oh, the list goes on and on and on. And more Spider Robinson, Storm Constantine, more Terry Bisson, more Ted Kuzmatska don't forget there's a great one coming up by God seller look out for that one ian r mcdonald mark laidlaw paul anderson jason sanford hal duncan good slider one off him got one El Spragdecamp camp coming up there michael bishop got some from them lewis shiner got a few from lewis shiner all ready in the bag ready to go it is going to be a fun pack. year. Do stick around. And one of the writers, or one of actually... He is the editor, ex-editor, should I say, of In The Zone, one of the editors from over there. Yetse Divers. Now, I might have got his name wrong, but we're going to follow Yetse. He's putting together, like, an anthology of... I think he's, the anthology is called Shine. And he's going to he basically, what we're going to do is kind of follow his production all the way through from getting the stories, you know, and finding out how it's going like that, and up until like kind of the books release. So, and that'll be kind of hopefully once a month, we'll have like a little inside view into how to put an anthology together. So, look forward to that as well. So, that's the kind of what's in store for. 2009, and there might be even new things, you know, do drop us a line, do get in touch with us, give us some ideas, I would love, 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 I was th- there was a chance in 2008 where we were going to get a regular feature from a space columnist who was going to do like monthly audio articles on kind of actual space, what's happening in technology in the space at the moment, it never kind of came through, so if there's anybody out there or knows anybody that might be willing to do something like that, I've often still wanted to kind of do that, so that would be nice you know but it is christmas and i think now christmas time we need a little bit of fiction a little flash fiction from christmas time and we'll start off with a christmas tale by david kapaskar mergel and it's narrated by a fantastic amy h sturgis so amy david away you's on this christmas snowy night
3: <laughs>
4: A Christmas Tale by David C. Kopaska-Merkel First published in the 2007 chapbook Drowning Atlantis Curiously, the door was unlocked. Virginia had never believed in Santa Claus, but now she was beginning to wonder. Her preparations had been thorough. She had barred the door, wedged the flue tight, locked all the windows, and even shoved a dresser in front of the cat door. "'The elves might be able to fit through, and he might have one with him. "'But now, not only was the door unlocked, it was ajar. "'She brushed her hair back impatiently and leaned on the door. "'It wouldn't budge. "'Now what the hell is going on?' she muttered and yanked as hard as she could. "'The heavy thing swung inward, bringing with it a blast of arctic air. "'Not for the first time she wished her pajamas were a bit thicker.' But that thought departed quickly, because along with the door came a thing. What do you call a creature with closely cropped purple fur? With orange spots, though those seemed glued on. An unusual number of appendages, and extremely crooked teeth. The monster leaned down and grabbed her waist with two of its multi-jointed arms. Ow, that hurts, Virginia said, tugging fruitlessly at its middle left arm. The monster shouldered in through the door, kicked it shut, and flung her down on the rug. From this vantage, she could clearly see its organ of generation, which was of unusual size, and her eyes widened. "'Forget it!' the creature snapped in a high, precise voice. "'I'm a married monster.' "'I don't have a lot of time, so listen up. Santa Claus is dead. People will light their fires on Christmas Eve, you know.' I've been sent for a replacement, and you're it. "'Me?' she squeaked. "'But I don't even own any reindeer.' "'Wake up, lady,' the creature moaned. "'What do you think on-the-job training is for? "'So is it yes or no? "'By the way, if you say no, I have to eat you.' "'Are you an elf?' she quavered. "'Do I look like an elf? "'Are you too dumb to be Santa?' Elves are tall, slender guys, with pointy ears, big biceps, and they can't grow beards. An easy choice, Virginia thought. Boss an all-male team of pointy-eared Robin Hoods, or be a midnight snack for this gargoyle. I hope they're not all married, too, she said. The End
2: you go don't forget copyright is david pascal merkel what a wicked little tale that was a little naughty number for christmas amy as well thank you very much don't forget i'm not going to keep on saying this but all links are at the main site do pop over there and do pop over to their sites everyone who's contributing to the day and just say thank you and i've got a little message
4: a little christmas message from amy amy hello tony and all you sofa knots out there This is Amy H. Sturgis, and I'm wishing you a very Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah, cool Yule, and or wonderful winter solstice. Looking forward to the new year, I hope everyone in the Starship Sofa family, and that's what we are, isn't it, enjoys a blessed 2009. I look forward to sharing it with you through the Starship Sofa episodes and discussion forum. Wherever you are, on Earth or beyond... May peace and joy be yours this holiday season.
2: And a Merry Christmas to you too, Amy. So thank you very much. Next, we're going to get on to some more flash fiction. This is by Alan Steele. Just give you a little heads up on Alan Steele. We've played one already before by Alan Steele. I think it was called The Last Science Fiction Writer. This one is called Robo Wassling by Alan Steele. Narrated by Diane Severson. A little heads up for Mr. Alan Steele. Born January the 19th, 1958, American science fiction author, Steele began publishing short stories in 1988. His early novels formed a future history beginning with Orbital Decay and continuing through Labyrinth of Night. Steele was born in Nashville, Tennessee. He received a bachelor's from New England College and a master's from the University of Missouri. Before he established himself as a science fiction author, he spent several years working as a journalist. In 1996, his story, The Death of the Captain Future, received the Hugo Award for Best Novella. He won the award again in 1998 for the story, Where Angels Fear to Tread.
4: Merry Christmas!
2: So the Starship's over, and Oral Delights presents...
5: Robo-Wassling by Alan Steele Shortly after CybServe Electronics introduced the Butler 3000, consumers found a new use for home robots, a fad which became known as robo-wassling. Because it was possible for someone to program a Butler 3000 with a detailed neighborhood map and install music in its vocoder chip, many people began to send their robots out to do their Christmas caroling for them. The little robots would roll from door to door, stopping at each house to ring the front bell. When someone opened the door, the robots would burst into a medley of Yuletide favorites, usually ending with a personal greeting from the robot's owner. They were often decked out in Santa caps or fake reindeer antlers, and sometimes they pulled little wagons laden with everyone's all-time favorite Christmas treat, indigestible and non-biodegradable fruitcake. Of course, there were mishaps. Programming errors sometimes caused robots to go astray, usually to be found some hours later in a foreign driveway singing Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer over and over again. Antisocial types who didn't like to be disturbed by a yowling mobile toaster often reprogrammed the bots to return to their owners with a voicemail message of their own, usually couched in terms which did not promise peace on earth and goodwill to men. Not a few were stolen from sidewalks although security passwords guaranteed that the purloined robots would do little more than sing White Christmas until they were either junked or allowed to go home. And then there was the so-called Christmas robot invasion, which occurred when a horde of almost 30 bots, each coincidentally sent out by the owners at the same time, accidentally linked their neural nets and began moving through a six-block area of St. Louis, stopping at every house along the way to deliver a cacophony of carols dogs howled, cats hid, babies had fits. Children wondered what they'd done to get Santa mad at them while their parents crossed names off this year's fruitcake list. The stampede was not halted until the Public Works Department erected a barricade in the middle of the street and dispatched bulldozers to send the bots to a better place. As a result, robo-wassling became a one-season fad. By the next Christmas, the robots were back to their normal chores of cooking and cleaning, their owners having realized that there were certain things best left to humans. When doorbells rang that Christmas, the Butler 3000s opened the doors to find Homo sapiens waiting for them. When this happened, though, a dormant program would sometimes reemerge from their memories, and then the robots would begin to sing.
2: There you go, Alan. Thank you so much. And Diane... Looking forward to what you've got to offer us later on the show. I've got a little message from our good friend, Terry Edge. A little Christmas bit of cheer. Terry, sir, what have you got to say?
6: I really do wish you all a very happy Christmas. And the longer you take to celebrate it, the better. Please, please, eat too much. Sleep it off. Wake up. Eat some more. Sleep some more. Spend hours wrapping presents. Then removing the wrappers from the ones you receive. Stay indoors compiling spreadsheets of who sent you a carpet, who you haven't sent one to, and vice versa? Because that means peace on earth for me. A great time for kidnommersome writing. Tony asked me to send in a Christmas message but he didn't know I gave it up over 30 years ago. I wasn't going to do one but then I thought it would be good to give something back for all those wonderful times of productivity over the Christmas period and to try to reach the one or two writers who despair at the prospect of two weeks in which their minds will be reduced to rancid brandy butter followed by a month of over-expectant resolution making followed by 11 months of Gradually returning to a normal balance, just in time for next Christmas. So my Christmas message to writers is, give it up. It'll be hard at first. You'll have to go cold turkey without the cold turkey, but you'll never regret it. Why not set yourself the goal of writing 10,000 words over Christmas? Then you'll have the jump on all those pudding heads whose keyboards are still full of eggnog when you send out your stories in the new year. My next article will be about writing workshops. I've been to a lot of them, and taught at a lot too. My overall conclusion is that most of them are not much more use than Christmas. But there are some great exceptions. But none come cheap, so start saving. Oh sorry, wrong time of year for that.
4: Merry Christmas!
2: But next we're going to get get Skeet over and get him onto that audio, something he's not quite used to, you know, give him a pen and some colouring in pencils and he's way like a rocket. Give him a mic and, you know. But we had some great mentions on the forum regarding how much they enjoyed his little article and it made the kind of whole magazine stick together with the art cover. So Skeet, over to you, Squire.
7: So Christmas is here at last. I hope you're all ready for that big day tomorrow. I'm wishing for a little more snow here in North Carolina to add to that Christmas touch, but I'll take a nice family dinner and some peace on Earth. Well this month's Starship Sofa Cover was a lot of fun since I gave myself an early present and made this an easy illustration. Instead of my usual pen and ink, I took a different approach and used an old trick of collage. Many of the images you see today in magazines are done using a mixture of photographs that are collaged together. So I went through my extensive library and selected a huge number of images to sift through. I finally settled on what I needed as far as the tree, fireplace, and everything else in the final illustration. Using my Photoshop program, I selected some tools uh, such as the airbrush, the blur tool, a selection pen, eyedropper. Uh, and an erase, eraser tool, which is just a few of the things I've used. Just to give you an idea of how these helped me piece this collage together, I'll start with the sizing, or I should say resizing, of uh, the images that I used. So the resolution of all the various images would fit and seem to belong together, I had to resize them accordingly. This left me with a hodgepodge of resolutions which if you looked closely, you would have seen that it left me with sort of a boxy edge on each individual image. To correct this, I used the eyedropper tool to select a color near the edge of the enlarged image. Now that I had the color right, I selected the airbrush tool and finished off each edge to give it a smooth finish, eliminating the boxy pixel edge. From there, the blur tool allowed me to soften and blur the border uh, from one image to another. I then used the selection pen to pick up areas that didn't quite match color-wise. When selected, I used the image adjustment color balance to match the colors and give each individual image the sense of being in the same room. The eraser came next. I uh, Since I left each image on its own layer, I could uh, adjust them individually. Erasing any straight areas that seemed out of place, I exposed the layer underneath, uh, further giving the appearance of being in the same room. Uh, I did have to create a trademark tag for each item with the text tool and uh, a little tag drawing, but that was all the actual drawing I did on this illustration. Uh, some text came next on the stockings, I also blurred the names a bit so they would blend in. Finally, I ran the whole thing through this cool filter called Poster Edges. The filter has the trick of taking different images and giving it the look of an old movie poster print, which of course blends it all together even more. With that all done, I flattened the image to be one layer and added the headline of the Starship Sofa and the subtext of stories, authors, and narrators. A little airbrushed snow on top of the headline, and I was done. The story this illustration was made for had me absolutely laughing out loud. Everybody at my workplace was looking at me like I was crazy. It's a brilliant way of expressing how caught up we all can get with money and things during a season that is about a spirit of family and peace between all people. It really is my favorite holiday, and I hope we all can take the idea of being kind, helping others, and forgiveness into our daily lives, and not just for one day a year. Thank you, Tony, for the gift of the Starship Sofa, and thank you to all the sofa Sofanauts from me at skeetland-art.com. Merry Christmas. There you go.
2: And I, guess I must admit, you know, Skeet, it just keeps on his level of work the standard of his work just keeps on getting like better and better and i didn't mean to say like his early stuff was any <laughs> no good it's just like it was at a level that was just outstanding and it, but he's just now getting it's unreal you know and i've seen other work that he's done for other people and you know i'm just so pleased come on board the sofa and kind of sharing his talents merry christmas skeet thank you so much
8: Hi, this is Jim Campanella. Merry Christmas to Tony, all my fellow narrators and contributors, and to all you Starship Sofa listeners out there. I've had a wonderful year contributing to the Sofa. I hope that you all have enjoyed my little narrative flights of fancy, as well as my more serious news reports. I certainly have enjoyed doing them. From the frigid northeastern United States, may you have a wonderful holiday season
1: now's the season to be
2: jolly jim merry christmas all your efforts throughout the year narrating the fact articles thank you so much have a nice christmas
3: happy christmas
2: and also sending in some christmas cheers our
8: good friend mr matt sanborn smith tis the night before christmas in sultry south florida and not a word could be found to rhyme with south florida I lay snug neath mosquito netting stretched over my bed, while visions of palmetto bugs danced in my head. Alright, I'm not going to rhyme this whole thing, that would be incredibly annoying. If anyone else is rhyming their entire spot on today's show, I'm not disparaging them, of course, I mean everyone else. I was raised a Christian, but became an atheist at the age of 14. So why am I wishing you a Merry Christmas? Well because I celebrate Christmas, that's why. I have plenty of atheist friends who celebrate Christmas. I have Jewish friends who celebrate, and Muslim friends who celebrate, and Wiccan friends who celebrate Christmas. We're not acknowledging the birth of our Savior, of course, but we're having a good time just the same. To us, Christmas is about the spirit of the day. It feels great to receive gifts, and it feels great to give gifts. On Christmas Day, people all over the world celebrate a type of love that gets forgotten most of the rest of the year. Love for our fellow human beings. Love for the entire human race. We talk about world peace. We never do it, but talking about it at least gives us something to shoot for. Christmas centers on a baby. And who doesn't love a baby? Come on. On top of all this wonderfulness, it's the only time outside of the Renaissance Fair you get to wear a hat with a bell on it. Science fiction fans can dig this. I know they can. They're tolerant and open-minded, and they enjoy getting drunk. Whatever your beliefs, whatever your nation, I wish you a peaceful day. I wish you a day full of love for family and friends. I wish you the pleasure of giving a gift and helping someone who's not as fortunate. I wish you a full belly and a roof over your head and a good strong fire to warm your hands. Whether you've been sofa naughty or sofa nice, fill your noggins with egg, give your loved ones a hug, and have a very merry Christmas from me and everyone else here at Starship Sofa. Now dash away, dash away, dash away all.
2: Ho ho ho, Merry Christmas Matt. You are a star. You make me smile every time I listen to you. Happy Christmas, Squire.
3: Happy New Year!
2: Moving on now, we get to our main fiction of the night, China Mievel. And I'm gonna give you a little heads up on China. A, there's a lot going on with this guy. He's kind of one of the kind of important people in the kind of fantasy genre at the moment. In this kind of new weird, if you like. Born China Tom Mievel. 1972 he's just a young pup born in Norwich award-winning English fantastic fiction writer he's fond of describing his work as weird fiction after the early 20th century pulp and horror writers such as Lovecraft and he belongs to this kind of loose group of writers that sometimes call themselves like the new weird who are basically attempting to move like fantasy away from the kind of the commercial cliches of like Tolkien and everything like that they're taking it to a kind of a, a different edge. And you can kind of, I guess, in that kind of group, class hal He is also an active member in left-wing politics and is a member of the Socialist Workers' Party. He stood for the House of Commons for the Socialist Alliance and published a book on Marxism and International Law. Awards. His first novel, The Wrath King, was nominated for both International Horror Guild and a Bram Stoker Award. His second novel... Padidro Street Station won the 2001 Arthur C Clarke Award and the 2001 British Fantasy Award. He was also nominated for a Hugo Nebula World Fantasy Awards. His third novel, The Scar, that came in and that won the 2003 Fantasy British Fantasy Award and the 2003 Locust Award for Best Fantasy Novel was nominated for Hugo Arthur C. Clarke World Fantasy Awards and received a Philip K. Dick Awards special citation. Now his fourth novel, Iron Council, won 2005 Arthur C. Clarke Award, 2005 Locus Award for Best Fantasy Novel and was nominated again for Hugo and World Fantasy Awards. His short story reports of certain events in London was nominated for a 2005 World Fantasy Award and tied for the 2005 Locus Award for Best Novelette. His fifth novel, London, won the 2008 Locus Award for Best Young Adult Book. He has listed M. John Harrison, Michael Moorcock, Thomas Dish, Tim Powers and J.G. Ballard as heroes. And his frequently discussed influences as H.P. Lovecraft, Mervyn Peake and Gene Wolfe. The City and the City is the title of an up-and-coming fantasy weird fiction novel by China Miéville. It's scheduled for a release date of the fifteenth of May, two thousand and nine. Will be published by Tor in the U.S. It will be published by Del Rey Books on the twenty-sixth of May, two thousand and nine. Give you a little synopsis of the story: When the body of a murdered woman is found in the decaying city somewhere in the edge of Europe, it looks like a routine case where Inspector Tidow Blue of the extreme crime squad but as he probes the evidence begins to point to conspiracies far stranger and more deadly than anything he could have imagined soon his work puts him and those he cares for in danger Ballou must travel to the only metropolis on earth as strange as his own across a border like no other with shades of Kafka and Philip K Dick Raymond Chandler 1984, The City and the City is a murder mystery taken to dazzling metaphysical and artistic heights. It sounds rather nice, so look out for that. UK, 15th May 2009, 26th May 2009, US. Happy New Year! And today's story is narrated with the fine charm, Martin, MCL. And this story has the once over by Martin. It's got all the whistling bells on. So Martin, thank you so much. So the Starship Sofa and her oral delights presents. Tis the season by China Mieville.
0: Call me childish, right? but I love all the nonsense. Right? The snow, the trees, the tinsel, the turkey. Eh? I love presents. I love carols and cheesy songs. I just love Christmas. Christmas is a Yorko trademark. Yep, that's why I was so excited, right? And not just for me, but for Annie. Ailsa, her mum, said she didn't see the big deal and why was I a sentimentalist? But I knew Annie couldn't wait. She might have been just 14, but when it came to this, I was sure she was still a little girl dreaming of stockings by the chimney. Whenever it's my turn to take Annie, me and Elsa have alternated since the divorce, So I, I do my best on the 25th. I admit I also made me feel bad, I was dreading Annie's disappointment, so I can hardly tell you how delighted I was when I found out for the first time ever I was going to be able to make a proper celebration of it. Now don't get me wrong, I haven't got shares in Yulco and I can't afford a one day end user licence, so I couldn't have a legal party i'd briefly considered buying one from one of the budget competitors like xmas time or a spin-off from a non-specialist like coca christmas but the idea of doing it on the cheap was just depressing i wouldn't have been able to use much of the traditional stuff and if you can't have all of it why have any i mean xmas time has the rights to eggnog but eggnog's disgusting those other firms keep trying to create their own alternatives to proprietary classics like Reindeer and Snowmen, but they never take off. I'll never forget Annie's underwhelmed response to the Jinglemas holiday gecko. No, uh, like most people, I was going to have a little midwinter event. Uh, just Annie and me. Okay, So long as I was careful to steer clear of licensed products, we'd be fine. Ivy decorations you can still get away with. Holly's a no-no, but I'd hoarded a load of cherry tomatoes, which I was planning to perch on cactuses. I wouldn't risk tinsel, but I had a couple of brightly coloured belts I was going to drape over my Aspidistra. You know, the sort of thing. The inspectors aren't too bad. You know, they'll, they'll sometimes turn a blind eye to a bauble or two, which is just as well because the fines for unlicensed Christmas. Christmas is
1: a your trademark
0: Celebrations are astronomical. So, I'd been getting all that ready, but then the most extraordinary thing happened. I won the lottery. I mean, I didn't win the lottery, Okay, I was one of a bunch of runners-up, but it was a peach of a prize. I mean, an invitation to a special, licensed Christmas party in the centre of London, run by Yuleco itself. When I read the letter, I was shaking. This was Yulko, so it would be the real deal. You know, there'd be Santa, trademark, and Rudolph, trademark, and mistletoe, trademark, and mince pies, trademark, and a Christmas tree, trademark, with presents underneath it. That last was what I couldn't get over, right? It felt so forlorn, you know, putting my newspaper-wrapped presents next to the aspidistra. But ever since Yulco bought the rights to colored paper and under-tree storage, the inspectors had really clamped down on aggravated subarboreal giftery. I kept thinking about Annie being able to reach down and fish out her present from under needle-dropping branches. Maybe I shouldn't have told Annie, just like surprised her on the day itself. But I was too excited. And if I'm honest, partly I told her because I wanted to make Ailsa jealous. She'd always made such an issue of how she didn't miss Christmas, right? Just think, I said, we'll be able to sing carols legally. Oh, sorry, you hate carols, don't you? Oh, it was awful. Annie was almost sick with excitement she changed her online nick to tis the season and as far as i could work out she spent all her time boasting to her poor jealous friends i'd peek at the screen when i brought her tea the chat boxes were full of names like tinkerbell 12 and handful of flowers and all i could see were exclamations like no a christmas so cool before she blocked the screen demanding privacy have a heart, I told her. Don't rub your friend's noses in it. But she just laughed and told me that they were arranging to meet on the day anyway and that I didn't know what I was on about. And when she woke up on the 25th, there was a stocking waiting for Annie at the end of the bed for the first time ever and she came into breakfast carrying it and beaming her. I took enormous pleasure in waving my Yule Co. pass and saying, perfectly legally, Happy Christmas, darling! On that occasion, I was glad that the... ...trademark was silent. I'd sent her present to Yulko as instructed. It would be waiting under the tree. It was the latest console. More than I could afford, but I knew she'd love it. She's great at video games. We set out early. There was a reasonable number of people on the streets, all of them doing that thing we all do on the 25th where you don't say anything illegal, but you raise your eyebrows and smile a holiday greeting technically it was a regular weekday bus schedule but of course half the drivers were off sick let's not wait said annie we've got loads of time why don't we walk what have you got me i kept asking her what's my present i made as if to peer into her bag but she wagged her finger you'll see i'm very pleased with your present dad i think it's something that will mean a lot to you It shouldn't have taken us too long but somehow we were slow and we dawdled and we chatted and I realised quite suddenly that we were going to be late. That was a shock. I started to hurry but Annie got sulky and complained. I refrained from pointing out whose idea walking had been in the first place. We were running quite a while behind time as we got to central London. Come on, Annie kept saying, are we nearly there? There were a surprising number of people on Oxford Street. Quite a crowd, all wearing that happy secret expression. I couldn't help smiling, too. Suddenly Annie was running on ahead and then coming back to haul me along. Now she wanted to speed up. I kept having to apologise as I bumped into people. It was mostly kids in their twenties, in couples and little groups. They parted indulgently as Annie dragged, ran ahead, dragged me again... There really were an astonishing number of people. I could hear music up ahead and a couple of shouts. I tensed, but they didn't sound angry. Annie, I called. Come here, love. I saw her skipping through the crowd. And it really was a crowd. Was that a whistle? Where did everyone come from? I was jostled, tugged along as if all these people were a tide. I caught a glimpse of one young bloke, and with a start of alarm, I saw he was wearing a big jumper with a red-nosed deer on it. I just knew to look at him, he didn't have a licence. ''Annie, come here!'' I was calling, but I got drowned out. A young woman next to me was raising her voice and singing a note very loud. The lad she was with joined in And then his friend and a bunch of people beside them And in a few seconds everyone was doing it A mixture of good voices and terrible ones Combining into this god-awful loud squeal and, and then with impeccable timing uh, all the hundreds of people sort of caught each other's eyes and the song continued wish you a merry christmas we, we- are you mad i screamed but no one could hear me over that bloody illegal rumpty tum. oh my god i knew what was happening we were surrounded by radical christmas arians I was spinning around, shouting for Annie, running after her, looking out for police. There was no way the street cams could spot this. They'd send in the Yule Squad. I saw Annie through the crowd. God damn it, more people kept coming and ran for her. She was beckoning to me, looking around anxiously, and I was batting people out of the way, but as I approached, I saw her look up at someone beside her. Dad! she shouted, and I saw her eyes widen in recognition. And then, did I see her hand grab her and snatch her away? Annie! I was screaming as I reached where she'd been, but she was gone. I was panicking. I mean, she's an intelligent girl. It was broad daylight. But who was that bloody hand? I called her phone. Dad! she answered. The reception was appalling in this crowd. I was bellowing at her, asking where she was. She sounded tense, but not frightened. Uh, OK, I'll be see a friend at the party what i was yelling what at the party she said and i lost the signal right the party that's where she'd make her way i controlled myself and shoved through the crowd it was getting more bolshy it was turning into a tinsel riot Oxford Street was jammed. I was in the middle of what was suddenly thousands of protesters. It took me anxious ages to make headway through the demonstration, and what had seemed an anonymous mob suddenly sprang into variety and colour. Everyone was marching. I was passing different contingents all the time. Where the hell do these banners come from? Slogans bobbed overhead like flotsam. For peace, socialism and Christmas. Hands off our holiday season. Privatise this. Privatise this one placard was everywhere it was very simple and sparse the letters t m in a red circle with a line through them she'll be okay i thought urgently she said as much i was looking around as i made my way towards the party only a few streets away now i was taking in the demo these people were crazy It wasn't that I didn't think their hearts were in the right place, but this was no way to achieve things. All they were doing was to bring down trouble on everyone. The cops would get here any moment. Still, I had to admire their creativity. With all the costumes and colours, it looked amazing. I have no idea how they'd smuggled this stuff through the streets, how they'd organised it. This must have been online, which means some pretty sophisticated encryption to fool the copware. "'Each different section of the march seemed to be chanting something different "'or singing songs I hadn't heard for years. "'I was walking through a winter wonderland. "'I went by a contingent of Christians, all carrying crosses and singing carols. "'Right in front of them was a group of badly-dressed people "'selling copies of a left-wing newspaper "'and carrying placards with photographs of Marx. "'They'd superimposed a Santa hat on him. "'I'm dreaming of a red Christmas,' they sang.' Badly. We were beside Selfridge's now, and a knot of people had stopped by the windows full of the usual mix of perfume and shoes. The demonstrators were looking at each other and back at the glass. Over on a side street, a few passers by were staring at the extraordinary spectacle. It brought me up short to see regular shoppers. It felt as if there was no one but the marchers on the streets. I knew what Selfridge's watchers were thinking. They were remembering, or remembering being told, some of them looked too young to recall life before the Christmas... Trademark. ...act, a, an old tradition. If they won't give us our Christmas windows, one woman roared, we'll have to provide them ourselves. And with that, they pulled out hammers. Oh, God, they took out the glass. No! I heard a man in a smart wool coat shouting at them. A contingent of the demo was looking horrified, laying down its banners, which read, Labour Friends of Christmas. We all want the same things here, the man shouted, but we can't support violence. But no one was paying him any attention. I waited for people to steal the goods, but they just shoved them out of the way, along with the broken glass. They were putting things into the windows. From bags and pockets, they were taking little creches, papier-mâché Santas. Gaudily wrapped presents, trademark. Holly, trademark. And mistletoe, trademark. And they were scattering them, making crude displays. I moved on. A man stepped into my path. He was part of a group of sharp-dressed types at the edges of the crowd. He sneered and gave me a leaflet. Institute of Living Marxist Ideas. Why we are not marching. We view, with disdain, the pathetic attempts of the old left to revive this Christian ceremony. The notion that the government has stolen our Christmas is just part of the prevailing fear culture that we reject. It is time for a re-evaluation beyond left and right, and for dynamic forces to reinvigorate society. Only last month, we at the ILMI organised a conference at the ICA on why strikes are boring and hunting is the new black. I really couldn't make head or tail of it. I threw it away. There was a thudding of a chopper. Oh, shit, I thought they're here. Attention, came the amplified voice from the sky. You are in breach of Section 4 of the Christmas Code. Disperse immediately or you will be arrested. To my astonishment, this was met with a raucous cheer. A chant started. At first, I couldn't make out the words, but soon there was no mistaking them. "'Who's Christmas? Our Christmas! Who's Christmas? Our Christmas!' Well, it didn't scan very well. I passed a group I recognised from the news. Radical feminist Christmasarians dressed in white, wearing carrots on their noses. The Snowmen... Uh, a little guy ran past me, glancing around, muttering, too tall, too tall. He started to shout, Anyone five foot two or under, come smash some shit up with Santa's little helpers. Another shorter man started furiously remonstrating with him. I heard the words joke and patronizing. People were eating Christmas Tradebar. pudding, slices of turkey. They were even forcing down Brussels sprouts, just on principle. Someone gave me a mince pie. ''Blessed be!'' yelled a radical pagan in my ear, and gave me a leaflet, demanding that once we'd won back the season, we rename it Solstismus. He was buffeted away by a group of muscular ballet dancers dressed as sugar plum fairies and nutcrackers or something. I was getting close to the venue where the party was supposed to be. But if anything, there were even more people on the streets now. The place was going to be surrounded. How would we get in? Figures were moving in on the crowd. Oh, shit, I thought. The police. But it wasn't. It was an angry-looking, aggressive bunch smashing car windscreens as they came. They were dressed as Santa Claus. Trademark. Fuck, muttered someone. It's the red and white block. It was obvious that the R&Ws were out for trouble. Everyone else in the crowd tried to draw away from them. Piss off, I heard someone shouting, but they paid no attention. Now I could see cops massing in the side street. The red and white block were drawing them out, chucking bottles, screaming, Come on then, like pissed up football fans. I was backing away. I turned and there it was, the sight for the party. Hamley's, the toy store. The armed guards, who normally protected it, must have run ages ago, faced with this chaos. So I looked up and saw horrified faces at the window. I should be up there, I thought, with you. They were the party-goers, kids and their parents besieged by the demonstration, watching the police approach. And, oh, there was Annie, shouting to me, standing under Hamley's eaves. I wailed with relief and ran to her. "'What's going on?' she shouted. "'She looked terrified. "'The Yule squads were approaching the provocateurs of the Red and White Block, "'banging their truncheons in time on tinsel-garlanded shields. "'Bloody hell!' I whispered. "'I put my arms protectively around her. "'There's going to be trouble!' I said. "'Get ready to run!' "'But as we stood there tensing, something astonishing happened. "'I blinked, and out of nowhere had come a young man in a long white robe.' Before anyone could stop him, he was between the ranks of Red and White Block and the police. "'He's mad!' shouted someone, but all the hundreds and hundreds of people were beginning to hush. The man was singing. The police bore down on him. The R&Ws made as if to shove him away, but his voice soared and both sides hesitated. "'I'd never seen anyone so beautiful.' He sang a single note of unearthly purity— He made it last for long seconds, and then continued, "O little town of Bethlehem, how still we see thee lie." He paused until we were straining. Above thy deep and dreamless sleep, the silent stars go by. The red and white block was still. Everyone was still. Yet in thy dark streets shineth the everlasting light. And now the police were stopping her. They were putting their truncheons down, one by one, setting aside their shields. The hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. Well, my singing's not as good as his. "'More white-clad figures were appearing. "'They walked calmly to join their friend. "'With a start, I realised I was shielding my eyes. "'There was an implacable authority to these astonishing figures who had come from nowhere, these tall, stunning, uncanny young men. "'The white of their robes seemed impossibly bright. "'I couldn't breathe. "'Now all of them were singing.' How silently, how silently the wondrous gift is given. Now, one by one, the police removed their helmets and listened. I could hear the frantic squawking of their superiors from the earpieces that they removed. The singers paused until I ached to have the melody conclude. Where meek souls will receive him still, the dear Christ enters in. Like I said, my singing's not as good as theirs was. The police were smiling and tearful amid a litter of body armour and nightsticks. The first singer raised his hand. He looked down at all the discarded weaponry. He declaimed to the red and white block, You should not have tried to fight, he said, and they looked ashamed. He waited. You would have been trounced. Whereas now, he continued, these idiots have disarmed. Now's the time to fight. And he swivelled en masse, he and his fellow singers launched themselves at the police with their robes flapping. The helpless cops gaped, turned, ran, and the crowd roared and began to follow them. "'We are the Gay Men's Radical Singing Caucus!' the lead singer yelled in his exquisite tenor. "'Proud to be fighting for our people's Christmas!' "'He and his comrades began to chant. "'We're here, we're choir, get used to it!' "'It's a Christmas miracle!' said Annie. "'I just hugged her until she muttered, "'All right, Dad, easy!' Behind me, the crowd was shouting, taking over the streets. ''That's the trouble with the red and white block,'' muttered Annie. ''Bloody strategy of tension, my ass! Bunch of anarchist adventurists.'' ''Yeah,'' said a boy next to her. ''Anyway, half of them are police agents. It's the first principle, isn't it? Whoever's arguing fiercest for violence is the cop.'' I was gaping, my head swinging between the two of them as if I was a moron watching tennis.'' ''What?'' I said finally. ''Come on, Dad,'' said Annie. She kissed me on the cheek. ''You'd never have let me go otherwise. I had to get you to walk here or we'd have been too early. Trapped like them,'' she pointed at the still staring prize winners in Hamley's top floors. ''And then I had to run off or you'd never have let me join in. Come on,'' she took my hand. ''Now that we bust through the police lines, we can reroute the march past Downing Street.'' Well, then it's the perfect opportunity to get out of here, I said. Dad! She looked at me sternly. I couldn't believe it when you won that prize. I never thought I'd have a chance to be down this way today. Someone grabbed you, I said. That was Marwan, she indicated the young man who'd spoken. Dad, this is Marwan. Marwan, this is my dad. Marwan smiled and shook my hand politely, shifting his placard. Muslims for Christmas, it said. He saw me reading it. "'It's not that much of a big deal for me,' he said, "'but we all remember how this lot came out for us "'when Uma, PLC, tried to privatise Eid. "'That meant a lot, you know. "'Anyway, I know it's important to Annie,' she gazed at him. "'Ah,' I thought. "'Marwin's handful of flowers, Dad,' she was saying to me, "'off the internet. "'Look, I have to tell you, I'm pretty annoyed about all this,' I said." We were getting close to Downing Street now. Marwan had said goodbye at Trafalgar Square, so it was just the two of us again, along with 10,000 others. I bought you... I've lost a lot of... uh, There's a big present in that party. To be honest with you, Dad, I don't really need a new console. How did you know... But she was continuing, ''The one I've got is fine.'' i mostly use it for strategy games anyway and they're not so power hungry besides i've got all the pinko patches in my machine it would be a pain in the ass to transfer them and downloading them again is too risky what patches well stuff like red 3.6 well it converts a bunch of gains turns simu city state into red october stuff like that i'm already up to level four the end of level baddies a czar as soon as I can work out how to get past him, I'll have got to dual power. I gave up even trying to follow. At the entrance to the Prime Minister's residence was a huge Christmas tree. Christmas is at your trademark In white and silver, everyone began to jeer as we approached. The army were guarding it so people made sure the booing was good-humoured. Someone threw Christmas pudding, but everyone sorted him out sharpish. That's not what Christmas looks like, we all shouted as we went past. This is what Christmas looks like. As the skies darkened, the crowd was beginning to thin a bit before the police could regroup. We went through a contingent, all in red bandanas, and joined in with their singing. Deck the halls with boughs of holly, tra-la-la-la-la, la 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 Tis the season for the Internationale, tra la la la-la-la. Still, I said, I'm a bit sorry you didn't get to see that party. "'Dad,' said Annie and shook me, "'this was the best Christmas ever, ever, OK? "'And it was so lovely to have it with you!' "'She looked at me sideways. "'Have you guessed yet what your present is?' "'She was staring at me very seriously, very intensely. "'It made me quite emotional. "'I thought of everything that had happened that day "'and of my reactions, everything I'd been through, "'seen, been a part of.' i realized how different i felt now that i had that morning it was an astonishing revelation yes i said hesitantly yes i think i have thank you my love what she said you've guessed shit she was holding out a little wrapped package it was a tie
1: We wish you a Merry Christmas and a
2: Happy New Year. There you go. Don't forget, copyright is China Mavils. I'd like to offer a link to his website, but I don't think the lad's got one. So, (laughs) there you go. I say, China, thank you so much for allowing this story to be narrated on, especially Christmas Eve of all times. Thank you so much. Martin, couldn't have done it without you, sir. That was fantastic. Trademark. Ding! Happy Christmas, Martin. Happy Christmas, China. Got a little message from our movie tour critic there. Rod, Rod, Merry
1: Christmas, Square. What have you got to say? Hello, everyone. This is Rod. During this festive season, it's wise to spend some time looking back at the passing year with an eye to those who have made a difference in our lives. Regardless of the differences between us, we all hold family and friends closer in the waning days of each December, giving thanks for the gifts of love and companionship we all cherish, but don't always speak out loud. I'd like to encourage everyone listening to think of someone in your life that has made a positive difference and go out of your way to tell them how glad you are that they're there. Sometimes that message of thanks can be the thing that makes someone's day, their week, their year. My favorite Christmas quote comes from Charles Dickens and it goes like this. I've always thought of Christmas time when it has come round as a good time, a kind, forgiving charitable time, the only time I know of in the long calendar of the year when men and women seem, by one consent, to open their shut-up hearts freely and to think of people below them as if they really were fellow passengers to the grave, and not another race of creatures bound on other journeys. We don't always know how we affect each other, and it's easy to fear the worst, so during this holiday time, let someone you love know it could be the best gift you give all year. Merry Christmas to everyone listening to the Starship Sofa, and let's have a Happy New Year. Happy New
2: Year! Ho, 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 Rod, Happy Christmas. He's, went through. he's just had an operation and he's a bit tender. Happy Christmas, Rod. Thank you so much for coming on board the Starship Sofa. Is that Grant? Is that Grant from New Zealand, sir? What's going on? Christmas time. Grant, Merry Christmas!
1: Now's the season to be Johnny.
3: And so this is Christmas, and what have you done? Well, if I can completely misinterpret and trivialise Mr Lennon's question, I've listened to a whole lot of excellent science fiction. Oral Delights just keeps on getting better. I'm still amazed at the number and quality of stories the sofa has managed to get permission to narrate. And as one of the author wranglers, I know what stories are coming up. 2009 is going to be a lot of fun. And while this next part... Isn't science fiction, it might sound like it for those of you in the Northern Hemisphere. This is how we do Christmas down here. It's hot. Some days it's so hot you don't want to go outside. If you do, make sure you're wearing a hat and some SPF 30 sunscreen. If you're unlucky enough to still own a car that doesn't have air conditioning, you'll be driving around with the windows down for the next few months. You'll go to the local liquor land not to buy more alcohol, just to stand in the walk-in beer fridge. The Pahutakawas are in bloom. It's a coastal evergreen tree of the Myrtle family, one of the 12 Metro species endemic to New Zealand. Mostly, we just call it the New Zealand Christmas tree. This time every year they're in bloom. If you haven't driven along Mission Bay around Christmas, with the Pahutakawas in bloom, kids swimming and building sandcastles on the beach and scantily clad rollerbladers whizzing by, then, well, I don't know what to tell you. Don't get me wrong. I lived in London for a while and I loved it. Having Christmas in a cold place where it gets dark early is something that watching countless British and American Christmas specials has drummed into us. Never mind that we had to close the curtains to see the television because the sun was so bright outside even at 7pm. Generally, there's a mass exodus from the big cities on Boxing Day. People desperately trying to get out to the beach before everyone else. Yeah, I've done that in the past too. But this year, we're going to have one of those staycations I keep hearing about on The Daily Show. And why not? There's plenty of beaches within a five-minute drive from my house. There's a barbecue out the back, a playground for the kids, a library full of books, and an Xbox that's been sorely neglected and in need of some quality time. Well, wherever you are, have an excellent Christmas. If you're someplace hot, make sure you keep that sunscreen on. And if you're not, uh, don't bother with the sunscreen. That would just be weird. And if you see Santa, watch out for those damn elves. They bite. They go grunt. Have a lovely time, sir. Thank you so
2: much. So the starship's over. He's riding her snowy Christmas sledge far into the distance. We've nearly come to the end of the Lights 56, this tinsel-covered, snow-speckled show. I hope you've enjoyed it. It has been really nice. It's just, like I say, christmas for me and christmas for the sofa is a magical time i am a kitty in a sweet shop give me a little bit of tinsel and i'll just come out all gooey (laughs) i hope you do too i want to finish off with diane who's been a workhorse for the starship sofa diane put so much effort into doing things for you know i kind of just mention her on skype diane can you do that can you do that the quick turnaround she does because i kind of sometimes say diane i need them tomorrow so Diane, and I, this was again one of the fine examples Diane, I need this song if you want to get it in I need it yesterday So Diane pulled out all the stops And just listen to this On this cold, snowy Christmas Eve Diane, you've done us so proud Thank you so much I just want to wish everyone a really, really Merry Christmas And look how a great New Year It's been a fab time for me, 2008 Especially now, just everything. I can see what we've kind of achieved, and it was just amazing. And Diane, this song, just amazing. Thank you so much. Lump in my throat. I would just like to say, Good night from me.